Hey, this is Alex Kohler, and you are listening to the Go To Market Mastery Podcast. Today, we are talking about transitioning from founder-led sales to sales-led growth with our guest, Philip Olesch. Enjoy. If you can't learn how to close, you better start thinking about another career. And I am deadly serious about that. The reason for the call today, John, is something just came across my desk, John. It is perhaps the best thing I've seen in the last six months. If you have 60 seconds, I'd like to share the idea with you. Hello, Hello. Philip. Hey, Alex. Finally. <laughs> Finally, Finally, we made it. Um, for the audience, we had some technical difficulties but um philip uh was very very much engaging with the transistor support and uh, is how i think a technical genius and now we fixed it <laughs> troubleshooting yeah. at its best <laughs> yes but uh, today we are luckily in my opinion not talking about some technical stuff um we are talking about of course go to market stuff um and we are talking about in detail the transition from founder-led sales to sales-led growth, which is, in my opinion, one of the most difficult phases a startup in go-to-market goes through. But before we start, Philip, um, if you listened to my episodes already, we start with a short introduction round. So it would be great if you would start by just introducing yourself and uh, what you're currently doing. Yeah, happy to. First of all, Thanks again for having me here. Um, yeah, really pleasure. Uh, funny how things turn around so quickly. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to be here today. Um, so yeah, I'm Philip, 36, um, living in Berlin by choice since 2009. Um, yeah, I studied there, studied here in Berlin. I uh, worked in e-commerce for around five years, and now I'm in B2B sales since close to 10 years, for around nine years. I started my sales career in outbound sales working for Google and sold Google ads, yeah. Um, and some, so basically some free marketing services in the beginning um, to new accounts, something between three and 30K MRR. And yeah, at some point Google accumulated all the European vendors into one and so I went into an online marketing agency basically from day one with nothing in place at all. And yeah, now I'm with Sales Cloud since five and a half years, since 2018, summer 2018. Um, yeah, and there I'm working with B2B startups, helping them to reach their revenue targets, helping them to build up sales and yeah, grow their sales org basically. And we share knowledge and best practices on B2B sales, on how to make B2B sales successful and how to make the team and others successful. And yeah, offer guidance, best practices along the road. And yeah, um, basically bring a more secure way to your target attainment in the end. So trying to reduce some failure along the way and potentially faster way to solve your challenges. And yeah, SalesCloud is on the market since 2014, um, supported around 80 sales orgs, I think. And I'm heading the um, consulting business, so all, all the delivery of our services, basically, um, 
the position is called Senior Sales Unit Building Consultant to make it a bit complicated. <laughs> and yeah, so responsible for all the delivery of all client-related topics. And so working closely with founders and sales leaders to build up their sales organizations, get sales going and become more predictable and more reliable, more scalable in the end. And so imagine having having a co-pilot with you that helps you um, overseeing your priorities, uh, share some knowledges on things that are coming ahead and basically, yeah, helps you to oversee your dashboard, um, helps you to detect, are we still on track? Are we heading to the right direction? Is everybody on board? All passengers here, all luggage still there. Yeah. So that's probably it. That sounds really, really exciting uh, to me, at least. Um, I think that sounds like a really, really cool job. So basically looking in so, so many different early stage environments uh, and industries, I think uh, that you have a ton of knowledge to share in the next uh, minutes we're spending together. But before I want to know, um, how did you even end up in sales? Yeah. Um, so as I said, it's basically I was in e-commerce beforehand and um, yeah, what lured me into sales was I had B2B sales touch points there already. So I was overseeing all our B2B clients and then working directly for Google basically led me to sales, right? Appeared quite interesting to me to get a glimpse into what Google does and how Google earns money. And this got me into outbound and cold calling. Um, back then, this was still very, very numbers driven and very focused on cold calling and activities. Um, and also you were a bit left on your own. So you had to learn everything on your, say, uh, on your own. So there wasn't too much support back then in terms of coaching or likewise, um, which was tough, but it was also good because this really helped me to, to get through all this metrical perspective on sales and really helped me to understand the numbers game and how to build up your, um, your funnel, how to manage your own funnel, everything on your own. Um, but also to be, to be very transparent, to be honest, this, this very repetitive work almost drove me out of sales again. And then when I got into sales cloud, um, I could see different, different projects, different clients, various sales orgs, and this curiosity and these, um, yeah, always new inputs helped me to, to get, a, get back on track basically or get my curiosity back and yeah, help me with sales. And yeah, so seeing different companies, helping them become successful was interesting. And that brought me back into sales and, and here I grew into leadership roles. And that is really, really exciting. Um, yeah. Thanks for sharing a bit more about yourself, um, uh, Philip. I now would Thank like you. to start a bit to delve deeper into the topic. So uh, as I mentioned before, the topic today is transitioning from founder-led sales to sales-led growth, which uh, you know it, most startups have a pretty challenging time to deal with. But before, um, maybe Philip, could you outline what the difference between, or what is the main difference between founder-led sales and sales-led growth? Mm, yeah, so maybe it's just a, Slight sidestep here as well. Um, so as I said, I've seen some sales orgs, some different sales orgs um, from the various industries and targeting various departments. Um, 
from mostly seed and series A stages. So I've, I'd say I've seen this phase a lot. This is why, why we thought talking about it would be interesting. Um, and yeah, to me, it's, it, or it sounds rather self-explanatory, I'd say. Founder sales or founder-led sales is uh, the company in an earlier stage where still the main revenue driver is within the funding team or founding team. And they are, it can be one or several of them that still are mostly covering revenue or revenue and growth and new revenue. And it's often, if it's a founder team, it's often one founder really stuck with the sales activities. And so what's interesting there, it's mostly they sell differently. It's not the structured approach most of us see, but it's rather. They sell a lot through events, through, through their personal network, through connections they get and referrals. And it's not everything still within one structured and repeatable go-to-market motion. And often it's done to, to grow revenue, to, to keep the company alive on the one hand, obviously, but also on their way to find product market fit. They, they will test out different use cases or they will look into different use cases and, um, yeah, iterate their offering, iterate their target groups and messaging along the way to, to get to a certain milestone can be this classic 1 million AR and SaaS we all hear about every time. Um, yeah, can be, can be another milestone, but getting to a certain point then. Um, and what's probably interesting for, to the audience is that not only the approach is very indifferent or the offering can be very indifferent within there. Um, but also basically they, as it's founder sales and they know their company and their product and offering inside out and most likely also their clients, uh, they don't really build up structures or they don't create anything. So if you're lucky to see an early state sales or if they already track things into CRMs, but can be that there's nothing really defined, no processes, no approach, um, no clear target KPI yet. So there's no real documentation on anything apart from we close deal X with these targets maybe, or maybe some initial uh, leads, mm. let's say. And everything is still very much in their head. So founders do these things out of instinct and they are obviously most likely high performers. Otherwise they wouldn't be building companies successfully. Um, yeah, but they don't build the, do the groundwork beneath it. They just execute very well. Yeah. yeah, and maybe um, just before we delve in this transition and um, what it's really that it's the biggest challenge in it, um, what are maybe some, because the answer to this question is, it depends, yeah? Um, when does a founder know, okay, now I need to hire sales reps, I can't um, do sales alone. Um, what are some, what would you say are some benchmarks maybe or some triggers um, that every founder should know, okay, now, uh, it is time to hire some reps. Um, it depends. That's what you just said. <laughs> yeah. No, so I think it it's really comes down also to the company targets and um, yeah, it comes down to company targets. So classic VC funded cases often go for that million AR. And once they reach a certain stone, they say we've proved our product market fit. Now we're going to raise money to grow faster. Um, but in a bootstrap business could be totally different and they 
only do so once a company goes to a certain size and they need to found us capacities on other topics, basically. So probably these are the two regular gaps you come to. Either, either way, you cannot support growth with just one founder being involved in sales, or you cannot, um, or you cannot further, um, cover the rest of the business as founder if you're still involved in sales. That's would be typical points where you need to get so, someone So you in. would say this always happens after product market fit? I wouldn't say it always happens after product market fit, but we'll, we'll probably come to that. If you want to transition or if you want to get to a certain steadiness within sales or within your go-to-market traction, it's good to be there to to set up repeatable processes or to set up repeatable success um and if you if you're not at that point yet it's simply tougher for sales to to perform or to execute mm -hmm. okay um so i would say thanks for the short definition um i would say we delve into the topic now so um let's say philip we have a SaaS business um together it's um december like it currently mm -hmm. is um and we need to do resource planning for the next year um, we already um, are at this 1 million ARR mark. And now we need to ramp up sales. We need to transition from founder-led sales to sales-led growth. Um, maybe you as my, uh, or you as the founder and I am your founder's associate, we go through planning together as your chief of staff maybe. And um, what are the common challenges that you forecast, that you see, and how do we do resource planning in order that it will really work out and it will, will successfully transition from founder let's sales to sales growth? So, mm, so I'd say that's one thing probably to 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 review first is how far we are with product market fit in that point, because if we are rather off and we have like which is often the case we have various use cases sold to different companies very various icps and we're not very clear here we probably need to hire a different type of person than if we simply want to execute um yeah if we want to execute one one icp and use case and just roll this out and do this repeatedly um and for the first one where we're still unsure about where, where to head basically in sales, we probably want rather an entrepreneur type of salesperson rather than the high performer coming from a, from another organization that has proven himself in selling one thing many, many times because he'd be probably not performing with us then because we, we cannot set him up for success with takes this use cases, messaging, and performs this a uh, hundred times per day. Um, but if we go deeper into, into resource planning, there's probably a few things to consider. Um, and one we or one that I've often seen lagging is planning in planning time in. So the factor at time and resource planning is crucial. And There's simply some layers in there, and often these are overseen when, when I see the first resource planning. So how you normally go into resource planning is you set your, your yearly target. So we'd be sitting down what, what's the amount of revenue we need next year. Um, 
we'll be sitting down looking into how many clients do we need for next year and then we'll see maybe we'll see how many leads we're going to be approaching for that right so we'll basically run down the top-down calculation from required new revenue to required new clients to required approach leads and maybe then we will roll the dice and say we need two reps for this and so that's the, the common top-down you see where people simply leave out time and so time is coming in on different angles first of all we have a sales cycle so if we have a sales cycle of three or six months all, all our pipeline for the amount of revenue we need has to be generated beforehand so this will cut our 12 months year into nine months or even six months if we have high tickets and six months sales cycle for example second thing will be we need some time to hire so if it's december and we need a rep by january this is not going to be working we need at least two months probably to find a suitable rep worst case three months because if we look for a high performer or for a good performer most likely he already has a job and is not sitting around waiting for our offer so we need to find someone who's already in another company then he needs to quit once he wants to work with us so we probably need three months on that um, side of the picture as well and suddenly our time window for creating revenue is way smaller than it was beforehand um yeah so bringing it factoring in time or planning in time would be crucial just to to get the basics right and then if we get this also coming from the different perspective seeing how much can one person really carry so breaking it down top down won't necessarily be on point as if we look on time capacities from one person they can work 40 maybe 45 hours a week if we say we are a startup and it's a tough environment but in in this amount how much time do they spend with other activities apart from sales and how much meetings whatever uh, revenue can they really generate with their re remaining time per week and then uh, having this bottom-up calculation from from a heads count perspective and trying to align these two probably the first step to do okay so uh, very clear? very interesting yeah, yeah. It, it was it was very clear um thank okay. you so much and also um you mentioned it before now um still in resource planning um we haven't tracked anything so it's basically all network selling you know how founders do it basically they jump from from one horse to another um so now how do we um align or even get icp and messaging right yeah. Um, so I think starting is probably reviewing all clients we have. So ideally, there's some patterns to be found in there. If let's say we went to a million AR, probably it's more than 10 clients we have until then. Most likely we sold smaller tickets beforehand and we're not six size tickets yet. So reviewing all clients we have and see did we sell one use case to the same type of client again, repeatably? Even if it's just 50% of our, our revenue, we should be focusing on this so far and leave out the rest for now. And then understanding why did they buy this? Um, what's, what are they really using the product for? Understanding the value proposition and these types of things further to then break it down into uh, messaging and to leach and reflecting the ICP. And I think what's often missed out here is that there's most likely some data points within the ICP um, 
that we're not seeing on the first point. So if you look at a classic ICP, you'll generate something like, we'll speak to manufacturers, 200 to 500 employees. We'll speak with HR leaders in there. And I don't know, maybe we'll narrow down manufacturers a bit more. But actually, the, the use case behind that is narrows it down far, far more. Probably it's, they say by our system, if it's an HR leader, because they have high, high, uh, high efforts in HR currently. Um, so that maybe they need an ATS, for example. So they, they do lots of recruitings. It's manual efforts and they need a further system for that. And then figuring out that's a high employee quota and the ratio to HR headcount is super high, for example. Uh, or they are hiring an HR could be an intent and understanding what, what in the end is really the, the ICP data point we'll be adding on and then focusing only on these because then we're not looking at, I don't know, 1000 target accounts in, in DACH, but rather just 100 for now. Uh, probably it's 2000 to 200, but focusing on, on the ones that are more and more likely the best to, to convert. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I would like to stay at the resource planning part and even yeah, sure. maybe dive deeper into into this a little bit. Um, so in your opinion, why is this resource planning part so, so crucial? And where do you think do the most mistakes or most common mistakes happen um, when you're really in that phase? And what do maybe founders often oversee? Mm. So why is it so important? It's quite obvious. If we plan to, re to reach a certain revenue target, we probably also plan to have this revenue by the end of the year and some revenue along the way. And if we don't get it, probably this will heavily affect our financial health and our runway or even yeah, can lead to worse and it's the end of our company. So getting this planning as accurate as possibly and meeting at least 80-90% of that target is going to be crucial. Um, the second part of the question was, what's mo most often overseen, you said? Yeah, so what are the most common mistakes founders make when, um, yeah, resource planning for yeah. the first time? So, as I said already, probably one big challenge is to factor in time. Right, I explained this a bit earlier. So, time to hire, sales cycles, maybe even... Uh, initial let's say lead to sql time as well um ramp up times no rep we're gonna we'll hire gonna be performing the first few months properly so it's gonna take us time to get them on track and mm -hmm. um, yeah having these things in, uh, in place and also if we don't have built anything up yet for proper onboarding proper process documentation yeah leads and whatsoever ramp up and onboarding can be um can Workout worth. So we probably need more time for that as well. So factoring in time is definitely crucial and have some buffer in there. So normally we also see not enough buffering, basically, right? You want to aim higher than your target is because you will not be getting most likely not what you plan to. You'll not get to everything. Uh, things will not work according to plan. And another thing is not taking your founder sales KPIs, if you could have measured them and just mm -hmm. re um, reproduce or Pl put them down. Applying them to a rep. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Otherwise, yeah. Um, you'll be heavily disappointed and the reps will be too. So then the reps would be leaving because their OTE was planned with founder sales performance. 
they'll not be getting there. So they don't get commissions. They are unhappy in the job because they don't meet their targets. Um, yeah. So basically yeah. that's bad setup for everybody. Um, yeah, this and time. So bringing these things together from a planning perspective. Mm. Um, yeah, to make sure we we don't misalign things just from the metrical yeah. setup in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I, I think in terms of targets, yeah. like in terms of like the front part, just like having the revenue target, a lot of things go wrong there already, in my opinion. Because what I have to see is when you're at the mill as a founder, they just go ahead and say, yeah, next year I want to make two because I hired mm -hmm. another rep. Yeah, and we, we talked about this before. So yeah. how do I maybe, um, as a founder's advisor or as a founder myself, if I'm, um, yeah, if I can just like put away this kind of bias, um, just set a realistic target where I say, hey, um, this is really possible. Um, and what are basically, Basically, the past is, of course, the best indicator for the future. But at which indicators should I look at to define my revenue goal? Yeah, I mean, so for your revenue goal, that's it's probably complex, right? If you're VC funded and your runway is low, probably you're not alone to decide. Or when you're VC funded, they're probably going to be setting the target for you. And basically, you need to follow. Also, you need going to be raising a next round. Your bootstrapping picture is probably a bit different. Uh, then you might be able to to really build it up bottom up. Um, but for resource planning, I think then it, you you'll be getting or you need to have some benchmarks. You will have your founder sales performance. You know, um, then sub subtract a bit of it to to see what's realistically for a rep who's new in the job and who hasn't sold this yet to to generate. Or to yeah to execute, and then plan from there. From from the headcount, you can bring in plan your target also bottom up. And yeah. yeah, as I said earlier, these should be somewhere close to each other in the end. What you can afford on amount of reps and what's realistic to them. Maybe also get some external perspective on there. I mean, there's benchmarks out there. There's people that are happy to help you setting right tar targets right. Yeah. yeah, and then bring these together. Absolutely. Um, yeah, thanks for that. I think uh, another thing we already touched a bit is ICP and messaging a bit. So like, uh, I always like to talk about message market fit. Um, and um, how do you think or what do you think are the most important things when you like first um, give this messaging and targeting an ICP um, to a rep from a founder? And what are the most important things to consider there? Um. So I think most important is probably the our two things. Overall, when we build out, build up sales and build up go to market, uh, we want to make sure we we build this lean, right? So this lean startup method, nothing new and fancy more. But we want to be able to to measure what we do and to be able to iterate. So um, we want this goes down to messaging, this goes down to our ICP or our segment hypothesis. We want to be able to see is what we think will be working if, if it really works in the end and measure this from the beginning and have also clear defined points in time where we review things, probably not only our performance of the rep, but also the overall hypothesis. So is the rep really bad or the messaging bad or is it just, um, is it maybe still not the right target group? And so, 
yeah, building, building a lean setup where we can have a structured approach and then measure success and then scale where it's working or not. So, um, assuming we had our one ICP, but we are getting close to the total addressable market, we need to figure out new, new target clients and then not simply saying we're going to do X, Y, Z and scale these, um, doing this slowly and then testing maybe 50 to 100 target accounts per new hypothesis and see what, what's our initial feedback here and maybe even just in terms of SQLs. And then if it's zero, we'll stop there. We'll do a different, we'll go back to the whiteboard, uh, have some brainstorming and go start from scratch. Um, so this overall, then second thing is probably enabling the reps, um, enabling the reps to be able to understand the overall business. So our, our internal business, um, so that they know what value we bring to clients. So they should be able to understand our business and their role within that, but also the client's business, um, knowing we help, I don't know, whatever we do, we help HR leaders reduce, reduce their efforts by 50%. We help sales leaders do X, Y, Z. Um, so they can speak on an eye to eye level with, with their target clients and also understand their challenges and pains. And I think founders, yeah, as I said earlier, founders have all this information in their head basically and use these intuitively, but bringing these down for a web to be used, super important and probably putting these into playbooks or some general first briefing, whatever you want to be using, at least having some documentation on these things at some clarity for the overall team is super important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think this is also something um, I read in, in Behind the Cloud from Mark Benioff, great book. Mm -hmm. um, it is aligning like the ICP and what we do and the pitches, but not only with the sales rep, I think with the whole company. Because I think in a lot of companies still when they're like series a or maybe series b even um if i call the founder if i call an ae if i call the vp engineering and the head of sales i get four different answers and you don't want that yeah you want one answer you want the pitches to be aligned and i think how they did it at salesforce back then they were giving out cards and trainings to every employee um where there's basically a pitch of salesforce and what they're doing so um of course with a sales rep, you probably need to be a bit more in-depth. But um, I think this is a cool idea to just implement it quickly in the company. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think for the beginning, to yeah. add up on this, this is probably, it doesn't need to be this, let's say, over-engineered, right? So designing yeah. cards, sending these out isn't necessary, but at least making sure you get recurring meetings um, where you align at least sales and marketing. So they speak about their learning, speak about their messaging, what's working, what's not, like success stories, lost stories, sharing these types of things in the org what, what, when it's still young and growing. Uh, so enable everybody to learn and really encourage this learning and also this peer-to-peer -peer sharing is super important. And this can be done with uh, yeah, with simple meetings, wrap-ups, huddles, stand-ups, whatever you want to call these. They don't need to be 30 minutes every day. can be 50 minutes beginning and end of each day. Or also having having each seller, basically, or each everybody who's also in executing and marketing um, 
analyze their weekly performance. What's my new newest learnings? What did I try? What worked? What not? And share these things with the team. Super important to, to align them. And on top of that, probably leading by example. So as a leader, also going out there, using messaging, sharing with the team, hey, I reached, I opened up X accounts with these messagings. Here's my approach. Now go out and all of you do this also five times. And we got far more results than without this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next topic would be, we have the resource, pl resource plan, uh, we have our goal overall, we have the resource plan, and now we have the activity plan. So what outbound or go-to-market activities need to happen in order that we reach our revenue goal? And the first question to it be would be, how do I even create an activity plan? Oh, we're breaking up here. How do I create yeah. an activity plan? Yes, exactly. That was it. Okay. So then only the picture was delayed. Perfect. Um, so by activity plan, you mean really on a sales perspective, right? So yes, for, for each activity. rep, what is he supposed to be doing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so as I said earlier, probably we'll be starting with looking. Sorry, did you add anything? No. So we have a slight delay here. Um. So starting with this bottom-up perspective, probably, and really seeing how much time can one rep invest into sales? How much time do we spend on meetings? And then um, seeing what's realistically here from, from, their, um, yeah, from their time capacities and then seeing what's realistic, um, how many accounts can they touch with the amount of time they have, what type of activities can they drive through that, um, How do we structure this? So probably they're going to be needing blocks in the beginning where they enrich leads or where they look for triggers and tents whatsoever so they can start reaching out to specific accounts. And then they'll be working, or what works good is having blocks where you do specific types of activities over and over. So having a block where you, where you do cold calling sprints, having blocks where you set up cadences or emails, like just sending out mail one, for example having blocks where you just research counts and put them into cadences. So narrowing this down and structuring your, your week basically by this. And so for this, you need to understand how many new accounts do you need to, to reach your targets, basically. So you can block according time even. So if you go for so, full cycle sales, you'll be always focusing on the ones closest to the closed one. You'll be always focusing bottom of funnel but you need to ensure that you always invest time in the, in the top of funnel as well. So blocking time for these activities as well and understanding how much time do I need to keep my funnel alive and healthy is super important. And yeah, then breaking this down and having clear structure, how to get to these numbers basically. So how many calls do I need per account to get it to a, a step further in my sales process basically? How many mails do I need? when to do these yeah yeah absolutely. was that where I you're heading was the question yes exactly yes yes yes, yes. Yeah. it was exactly okay. where I'm, i was heading and um, but i think it's a lot about um not what you do but what you don't do and figuring out what the right channels are and um, so when would you say because you know we're in december we're creating an activity plan and all these plans and um, but plans are mostly wrong and planning is then the thing you need to do um How do I create maybe a cycle um, to really find out what are the right channels quickly and then do planning and get 
to a even more accurate yeah um outcome of where we are and how far we are away uh, from the goal and what needs to be done yeah so i think what we did at some case and what works good is to have um yeah building up a structure for this lean um approach and testing these um and then can be a simple tracker could be within the crm with simple reportings and have your small batches where you run experiments on basically um and then reviewing these on a re in a recurring meeting could be bi-weekly or monthly depending on the team size and the amount of sample size you get there right we're never going to be scientifically accurate and have sample sizes of 250 500 1000 plus where we say this is this is really accurate but we'll we'll have a, have a gut feeling at least and then um yeah get there starting with maybe 50 accounts in one specific segment seeing how many get into the next stage then if these conversion rates are within our range of okayish results we know we can optimize in there and then go further and have clear experiments or have these clearly set up for can be for channels can be for target groups um can be for messages so specific value proposition we want to test out yeah and then always execute take a take a, a break zoom out review what you're doing and then get back on track basically or then iterate yeah absolutely um i think that was very very interesting information um i think what would be um important now to a bit um review if you um because you have seen this i think a lot um maybe share a few examples some success stories some best practices of companies that basically nailed this transition and um what were maybe their characteristic characteristics it's like this um <laughs> that they had that they nailed um this transition really yeah so I don't want to share any names because normally we, yeah, you, we keep these things yeah. under disclosure. And also there's probably several to be found online if you're really looking into it. I think one characteristic that's interesting is that there's a high involvement of founders or also sales leaders uh, for a longer period of time, right? So they need to be with the team, leading by example, um, yeah, helping the team to to. Um, outperform in their onboarding, um, helping them to ramp up to improve things, and then also initially ref reflect how far, like, re how far are we really with our product market fit or with our overall understanding on the target market? What type of people do I need to to bring on board to to get further? And then what's also extremely helpful is what I've shared with these uh, probably lean approach or with some structured approach is building building things up so we can really measure any results and not just hiring three reps and spending time with them giving them training on cold calling but nobody's knowing how good the results are right but building so building a specific structure or a certain ground structure meaning some knowledge management some crm documentation and tracking um, some reportings some clear activity guidelines so the reps know if they are on track and can reach their target but also so we can measure if we're successful or not and just not just wait 
six months to see what's closed and from the sales cycle we have. Um, and probably what also made makes good founders or successful teams is that they seek advice or seek mentorship. They they speak to co to other founders within other companies. They really simply go out and ask for advice, right? And they know we don't know everything. Um, not being the know-it-all and being a bit cocky on their previous results, but rather accepting that this is most likely new to you if you're a first-time founder or maybe second-time founder and just going out and yeah, getting some knowledge. Yeah, I think these were some great learnings to finalize this podcast. Um, and I think um, your LinkedIn, um, or I will put your LinkedIn, Philip, into the description below. And if anyone out there has a question to Philip, um, he's super supportive, happy to help and happy to have a chat. Yeah, um, definitely yeah, happy to um, share some. Absolutely. Um, so thank you, Philip, for being here and uh, wishing you a very, very nice Christmas. Um, of course, to you, Philip, and to all the listeners. And uh, see you, I would say, in the new year. <laughs>